last week we, we looked at different kinds of evil spirits. For the past six weeks, we've been looking at demons and casting out demons. And I said in the introductory teaching that the reason why this teaching is necessary is because it was Jesus who said that we shall cast out demons in his name. And so whatever Jesus said we should do, then I believe that the people of God need to have an understanding so that they can be able to practice it and to do what Jesus said should be done. And in any situation where you find yourself in an atmosphere where there is a demonic activity, you'll be able to cast the demon out. This assignment is not only for pastors, it's for everyone that has believed in the name of the Lord Jesus. The Bible said in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 to 20, but I'll just say the first few um, verses. He says that, um, go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow those who believe. So this sign is supposed to follow those who believe. That means that casting out demons. He says that, and in my name, they shall cast out demons. So that means that this casting out of demons is a sign that must follow every believer. That means that every believer must be taught about the existence of demons because Jesus cast a lot out. And then also they must be taught on how to cast them out and how to identify different kinds of spirits. Now, from the beginning of this series, we have looked at their origin. We've looked at their nature. We've also looked at the fact that a lot of them can inhabit one person. We have also seen that they cause diseases. And then we have seen how to cast them out using the word of God, the name of Jesus, using the gift of descending of spirits, an atmosphere of holiness and righteousness, and an atmosphere and a lifestyle of fasting and prayer. And so tonight, last week, we look at different kinds of demons because Jesus, in casting out a demon, the Bible says that his disciples came to him in Mark chapter 9 when they couldn't cast a particular demon out. And it wasn't that this was their first time of casting demons out. In Mark chapter 6, they had cast demons out and anointed many with oil. And the Bible says that they couldn't cast this one out. And when Jesus himself came to cast the demon out, the Bible says when they got to the house, they asked him privately, why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus said, this kind cannot go except by prayer and fasting. That suggests that there are different kinds. This kind, that tells us there are different kinds. So last week, we saw that in the scriptures, we have different kinds of demons. And the scripture tells us that for though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war after the flesh. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but they are mighty in God to pull down strongholds and cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In Mark 17, 21, Jesus said, This kind cannot go except by prayer and fasting. Last week we saw tormenting spirits so we saw tormenting spirits the first kind of demons or evil spirits tormenting spirits and we mentioned and taught extensively on that i won't go back so much into that and then after that we also look at deceiving or seducing spirits tonight i want to speak to you on the third class of evil spirits territorial spirits territorial spirits third class 
of evil spirits is territorial spirits. Now, these are higher level territorial principalities that seek to control and exert influence over certain geographical areas by controlling the culture and the way of life over a region, a city, a state, or a nation. Sometimes people call them national spirits or territorial spirits. They are spirits in charge of territories and geographical areas. And they exert their influence. And sometimes it, you can see the culture of the people, the way of life of the people is being controlled spiritually by the kind of entity that is ruling over the atmosphere. And these are realities in the scriptures and we see it also in life. There are certain cities, there are certain nations that you look at the city and you can tell what kind of spirit is actually in charge here. There are certain cities, whatever you do, you notice gambling on its highest level. It tells you what kind of spirit is in operation. There are cities known for prostitution. There are cities known for greed, for money, all kinds of influences. And there are places where God is not even welcome at all. It tells you what kind of spirit is ruling in the atmosphere. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 to 12, the spirit realm is real. And I believe that the spirit world is more real than the natural world. Hebrews 11:3 3 says that by faith we understand that the things that are seen, the things that we see, were not made of things that do appear. And, and that is why some, in, in spiritual warfare, we do what we call prophetic mapping or spiritual mapping to be able to determine the real state of the situation on the ground and not as it appears to the eye. The state of the spirit over the land determines what goes on in the land. When the atmosphere is controlled by the Spirit of God, we see godliness and we see a fear of God and we see people living a life that is in line with the Word of God and the Bible says they prosper and they flourish in the things of God. There are certain places where you will notice that the atmosphere is very, very demonic. The influence over there, the lack of fear of God, the anti-church and anti-Christ atmosphere, the, the lewdness. The evil things that go on there, the wickedness in that city or that nation tells you what kind of spirit is dominating in the spirit realm. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 to 18, it says in conclusion, be strong in the Lord. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. That is draw strength from him and be empowered through your union with him. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. So that you'll be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and deceits of the devil. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against human beings. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers. Against powers. In other words, he says... Against principalities. That's what is in the King James. It says in, against principalities, against powers. The principalities are rulers. So that's why Amplified says rulers. That means they rule over territories, over nations, over cities, over communities. And then the Bible says, so we are waging war against this first category called principalities or rulers. And then against the powers. 
and against the world forces or powers of darkness. And then he says, against the spiritual forces of wickedness. King James says, spiritual hosts of wickedness. They host wickedness in the heavenly realms or in the supernatural realms. So these entities are in the supernatural realm and they exert their influence. And Paul, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, says that as Christians, our warfare is not against physical beings, but these are spiritual beings. And he categorized four of them, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places or in spiritual places. Therefore, put on the whole armor of God so that you'll be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done everything that the crisis demands, it says to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, the shield of faith which you, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. With all prayer and petitions, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, that you stay alert with all perseverance and petition interceding in prayer for all of God's people. So the scripture says there are entities called principalities and they rule over nations and territories. These are territorial spirits. I want us to please turn our Bibles to Daniel chapter 10 and verses 1 to 21. A little bit of a long passage, but that will give us an idea of the existence of such spirits. We said in the introduction of different kinds of spirits that there are different kinds of spirits with different ranks for different assignments. These ones, they control territories. Daniel 10, 1 to 21, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. In the message or in the word or in the vision, the vision was true. And it referred to great conflict or warfare. And he understood the vision and had understanding of the message. And in those days, I, Daniel, I had been mourning or weep or fasting for three weeks. I ate no food, nor did any meat or wine enter my mouth. I did not anoint myself or refresh or groom myself at all for three whole weeks. He was fasting for three whole weeks. And on the 24th day of the first month, as I was on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I raised my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose loins were gathered with a belt of euphas, pure gold. His body was like burial, his face had the appearance of lightning, his eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and his feet like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words was like the noise of a multitude of waters. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great panic overwhelmed them. 
So they ran away to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision. Yet no strength was left in me. For my normal appearance turned into a deathly pale. And I grew weak and tired and frightened. Then I heard the sound of his words. And when I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face towards the ground. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me unsteadily on my hands and knees. So he said to me, O Daniel, you are highly regarded and greatly beloved man. Understand the words that I'm about to say to you and stand upright for I have now been sent to you. And whilst he was saying this word to me, I stood up trembling. Verse 12, then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing in opposition to me for 21 days. Take note, a prince of the kingdom of Persia stood against him for 21 days. An angel from the Lord arrived on the 21st day of Daniel's fasting and said the very first day you began to pray, I was sent with the answer to bring to you. But between heaven and earth, a prince of Persia, take note of the word prince, drawing it from where we learned in Ephesians 6, principalities. The rule over territories. This principality was able to withstand an angel of the Lord for 21 days to prevent and to deny the angel access into the earth realm. And the Bible says, he said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, there are satanic princes over nations and cities and territories. This was called the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Please take note from verse 1. Daniel said, in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, there was a physical king of the nation of Persia. In this revelation, on the 21st day, we are now told there is a prince over the nation. So there is a physical king and there was a spiritual king over the nation. They may not know themselves, but someone rules the territory. These principalities sometimes has influence over who becomes president, over who becomes king. They call the shots. They influence elections. They move the hearts of people. That's why when it is time for elections, the people of God must pray for the will of God to be done. Amen. The Bible says when the devil was tempting Jesus, the Bible says the devil said to Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world and its glories has been given to me. Anyone that will worship me, I will give to them. That means that he has a will in the matters of the nations and of the kingdoms of the world. We are told there is a prince, a king, a principality over the nation of Persia. This entity was not a human being. Because if he was a human being, he couldn't have seen an angel to stop the angel. But for 21 days, a bitter battle was going on in the realm of the spirit. But Daniel's intercession provoked two things. It provoked a release of an angel from the presence of God. And a principality was also disturbed by the prayer and stood up to contend 
against the angel who was coming. That tells you that when we begin to pray, it may look like a physical thing. It may look so ordinary, but it has got spiritual implications. A principality was disturbed. He decided to stand at the gates of the city, of the nation spiritually, and to intercept an angel coming from the presence of the Lord. Now, sometimes we may wonder, how could an angel who is coming from God be detained by a demon? <laughs> by a principality. The scripture tells us that angels have respect for authority. The scripture says in Jude chapter 1 verse 9 that when Gabriel, when, when Archangel Michael was sent by God to bury the body of Moses, Jude 1 9, when, Gabriel, when Michael was sent to bury the body of Moses, Satan also showed up. I'm not talking about a demon. I'm talking about the entity called Satan, formerly called Lucifer. That man, he appeared and was contending over the body of Moses. And the Bible says, Michael could not bring against him, against him a railing accusation. But he said, the Lord rebuke you. Angels have respect for authority. So he wasn't going to break certain rules. In, when they were in heaven, it's very clear and it appears that the one that is now called Satan was of a higher rank than probably Michael. And so he had respect for him. And as I always give the analogy, even when you are a corporal in the army and you were sent to arrest your general, you will still salute. And so he still had to observe that godly pro protocol and ensure that the Bible says he could not bring a railing accusation against the devil, but he summoned help from the Lord and said, the Lord himself rebuke you. Satan was interested in the body of Moses. He would have made the people of Israel take it and worship it and use that as a shrine against the will of God and the purpose of God because he knew how the Israelites loved Moses. And so you could see clearly here that therefore because of the fact that angels have respect for order and rankings, this angel probably was not having the same rank as the principality that withstood him. And so he was able to hold him there until the Bible says, let me finish this so that I can flow. Let's finish the reading. Let's, let's go quickly to verse 13. It says, but the prince... Of the kingdom of Persia stood in opposition to me for 21 days. Just for you to see, there was a principality that rules over Persia. The king that was ruling, the physical king, is not the one in charge. Somebody else is influencing policy. Another power of darkness is influencing in government policy, influencing the nation, influencing godliness or ungodliness. Powers of darkness that rule over territories, over nations and over regions, they invoke and they influence stuff. And that is why the people of God must understand these things. So that your prayer is not just prayers that are, you know, horizontal, but you also take it diagonally. In Jesus' name. You take it up and bring it down. Let's have the cross. One that is going up and one that is going that way. So that we deal with what is on the earth, but then we deal with what is above it first. The nature of the spirit realm controlling a city will determine how people will be saved or not. It informs the way churches operate or not. Sometimes you get into a territory and planting a church, you will know that you are coming into contact with entities of darkness. These are the things you must deal with first 
before you even announce that you are meeting, you must go on a prophetic mission to the place and bind the powers of darkness. You must dislodge the entity that is ruling in the place before there can be access on the ground because the souls of the people, the minds of the people are under the control of these spirits. And that is the principle I've always adopted when planting our groups of churches. I can go into an area for weeks, praying and fasting. Sometimes book a hotel, stay there and pray and break the ground and overthrow the powers of darkness that rule in the place. And then you give access because these entities will not let church start easily. These entities, they fight churches. They fight the will of God. When Daniel went to pray, Daniel went to pray because he had understanding of previous prophecies that God had given concerning his people. And he was seeking God in prayer. And as he prayed, answers were coming. The mind of God was being revealed for the people of God. They have been in captivity for 70 years. The time for them to come out was due. But they are not still coming out. It was Jeremiah who prophesied. That the people will go into captivity for 70 years because of their disobedience. That's why in chapter 9, Daniel said, I understood by books, the books of the prophet Jeremiah, that 70 years is what has been determined for our people to be in captivity. At the time Daniel was writing, he was already old. 70 years had come. There is no sign of their deliverance. Because if the people of God do not pray, principalities and powers will not back off. And so God has said, but it must take intercession, it must take prayer and fasting to pull down the altars of wickedness, to dislodge them, to disable their power, and to let the people go. I've always believed that evangelism itself starts in the spirit before we go on the natural. We need to pull down the powers of darkness, deal with the entities that are controlling the minds of the people. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians, Chapter 4, verse 3 to 4, that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them who are lost, in whom the God of this world had blinded their eyes, that they cannot see the glorious light of the gospel. These powers of darkness must be dealt with, dislodged, before someone can even be saved, before you can plant that thing in that territory. And that is why it's important for us to understand the teaching tonight. The scripture says, a an entity of darkness was ruling over the place. And the Bible says that Daniel was told that he withstood him for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes. So Michael was also called a prince of God. Chief princes. One of the archangel. The Bible says he came to help me. For I have been left there with the kings of Persia. Princes of Persia, kings of Persia. These were not human beings. If a king rules, then tell me if there was a king of Persia who is a spiritual being, then tell me. Then you understand that these entities are real. They control and rule over territories. And if they are ruling, that means they've got their policies that they exert. Lack of fear of God. Wicked policies. They influence that through government as well. Because there's no ordinary throne. It's either God is behind it or the devil is behind it. So there are many nations and then they have got their subsections. So 
the, the one that is above, and then those ones working under it who are actually principalities over regions. So within the country, there are some that are in charge of regions and cities and communities and nations and villages. <laughs> so the Bible says that the prince of the kingdom of Persia, then he said, I was left there with the kings of Persia. Look at verse 14. Now I have come to make you understand. So that means that another higher ranking angel of God, Michael the archangel, came and he had authority to deal with other, these other principalities, these satanic beings. He was of a higher rank than them. He could deal with them. And this other angel, who was originally sent on the first day of Daniel's prayer, he was now able to get into the earth realm and come right into Daniel and present the answer to him. He said, from day one, I was sent with the answer. How do you pray? When you begin to pray, don't just stop. Deal with it because you don't know what you are dealing with. A lot of people are dealing with issues in their families and they can't understand that they have got layers of powers of darkness that they are contending with. Ancient curses supervised by demons and powers of darkness. So don't stop. Daniel didn't determine to pray for 21 days. He just went into prayer, but the burden was not lifting off. And he carried on praying, not knowing every sentence he was making was having an effect in the realm of the spirit. It was his prayer. If he had stopped on the seventh day, that would have been the end. But as the prayer continued, it was enough to move heaven, to send a reinforcement. Don't stop praying. Don't take things for granted. The Bible says, whilst we look not at things which are seen, for the things that are seen are temporary. I want you to understand that the spirit realm is more real than the physical. That is what controls the natural realm. The Bible says that they, so he said to him, that I have now been sent with the answer to bring to you. And then he says that, Verse 14, I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is, re is regard to the days yet to come. And when he has spoken to me, verse 15, these words, I turned my face towards the ground and I was speechless. And behold, someone who resembles the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke and said to him who was standing by me, Oh my Lord. Because of the vision, anguish has come upon me, and I have retained no strength. Verse 17, for how can such a wicked servant of my Lord talk with such a being as my Lord? For now there remains no strength in me, nor has any breath been left in me. Then Gabriel, whose appearance was like that of a man, touched me again, and he strengthened me. Verse 19, then he said, O man, highly regarded. Sorry, I'm reading something else. That's verse 18. Yes, okay. All right, okay, let's take it, verse 18. Then the one whose appearance was like that of a man touched me again and he strengthened me. Then he said, O man, highly regarded and greatly beloved, do not be afraid. Peace be to you. Take courage and be strong. Now when he has spoken to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you understand why I came to you? Now I shall return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I have gone, behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. See, he said, I'm going back to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I am gone, very soon, the prince of, of Greece shall come. 
If you study history, you will realize that just after the overthrow of the Persian Empire, it was the Greek Empire that came. So the, the prince that controls nations shall come. And so there was a prince of power of, of Persia, and then there was a prince of Greece who came. Greeks finally came to overthrow the Persians and to rule over the place. And we are told that this was going to happen. An entity of darkness. They rule nations. They control nations. They are the powers behind nations. And cities and countries. And the people of God must understand this. So that when you begin to pray. You must know where you are starting the intercession from. You must know what you are dealing with. When there are certain things on the ground that are hard. You have to know that there are certain powers. That are controlling and exerting their satanic influence in the place. There are certain things that doesn't make sense, but for some reason, parliamentarians pass those laws and we only complain. No amount of demonstration can change what is being controlled from the spirit. It must take prayer warriors to gather together and call on the name of the Lord and engage in prayer and warfare and pull down territorial spirits and release the glory of God upon the land and the influence of God over nations. It says the prince of Greece shall come and the prince of greece really came so from this scripture we can see there was a physical king but there was a spiritual king ruling over the place please let's look at one more thing and i'll exhaust this then i move on to the next one ezekiel chapter 28 verse 2 and then we will take verses 11 to 16 we're looking at another example it says son of man Say to the prince of Tyre. Sometimes the prince and the king are used interchangeably. This is what the Lord says. Because your heart is lifted up and you have said and thought I'm a God. I sit in the seat of the gods in the hearts of the seas. Yet you are only a man. Though you think your mind is as wise as the man, mind of God. So, in verse 2 of Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel the prophet was asked to prophesy against the physical king of Tyre. In that nation called Tyre, there was a king there. And Ezekiel prophesied against him. He said, you are just man. You are man. So, there was a physical king there who was very proud, very arrogant. And he thinks he is God. You know, sometimes when people become successful to a certain point, they become very arrogant. The devil uses them as well. Because the devil himself is full of pride. It was pride that brought him down. And the Bible says that's the same thing with Herod. When he gave a speech and people said that sound like God. Instead of him to give glory to God, he was happy with it. And the Bible says he was struck by an angel and eaten by worms. And this man was also lifting himself in pride and arrogance. And God sent the prophet Ezekiel to prophesy against the king of Tyre who was a human being. However, when we got to verse 11, there was a change. In the tone. Then we are told in verse 11. Again the word of the Lord came to me. Saying son of man. Take up a lamentation. Against the king of Tyre. And say to him. Now there's this. As we read you find out this king of Tyre. Is different from the physical king of Tyre. He says this king of Tyre. This is what the Lord says. You have the full measure of perfection. And finishing touch. You were full of wisdom. And perfect in beauty. 
There's no human being that fits this classification. So perfect in beauty, perfect in everything. Then it says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Now this king is entire. He can be dead. That means that this person is a spirit being who is being described as having been to the garden of God. And he was in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. This is how your skin was. The ruby, the topaz, and the diamond. The beryl, the onyx, and jasper. You and I know that what I'm reading now, no human being has this sort of look. The lapis lazuli is a very special stone. <laughs> the tekes and the emerald and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and your circuits was in you. They were prepared on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub. By this time, you know that this is not a human being anymore. This is Satan himself. For some reason, probably he had moved his seat and entire. He was the one in charge because bear in mind, he is a created being. He's not omnipresent like God. He can't be everywhere at the same time. Satan can only be in one place at a time. And that's why in the book of Revelations, it was described as a, a place in Philadelphia. It was described as where Satan lives or where the seat of Satan is. Now we are seen here, we've seen here that the Bible says that Satan, who is being described here, being a covering cherub, his skin is made of all these sort of precious things. His voice is made up of timbrels of music. This cannot be an ordinary king. But verse 2 told us there was a physical king and it says you are a man. Now in verse 11, it's prophesying against a spirit being that is ruling in the, in the place of Tyre. And that probably is Satan himself who is in that location. At this time, I believe he's in one of the countries. I won't say it. Okay. But he's in one place. He can only be in one place. Amen. He said, you are the anointed cherub who covers and protects. And I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walk in the midst of the stones of fire. That's not a human being anymore. You were blameless in your ways. From the days you were created until iniquity or unrighteousness and evil was found in you. Through the abundance of your commerce, you were internally filled with lawlessness and violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you out as a profane and unholy thing from the mountain of God. And I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. So this is a spiritual entity ruling over the nation of Tyre and there was a physical king too there. So it tells you that these principalities, these powers, these satanic beings that rule over nations, they exist and they are real. And I want you to bear that in mind. And how to deal with such things is that it takes a strong community of believers through fasting and prayer to establish strong churches in those regions, those cities, those towns, those villages, and those nations that will consistently deal with principalities. We must consistently deal with them and overthrow them from their place of control. That's how churches will grow in certain communities. There are certain countries when you go there, it's difficult to plant a church. 
There are others too, when you get there, it is very easy because some people have paid the price in clearing the air. When you go to Korea, South Korea, the kind of prayers that go on there, it's very easy now to plant churches because the Christians there for more than 50 years have been praying and releasing the place. There is a prayer mountain there. If you look at people who used to be Buddhist and they have now become Christians, when they were Buddhist, they were chanting and now they become Christians. My God, my God, my God. They go up to the place and as they flow in tongues, hours, they go and shift. Hours. That's no wonder we've got one of the, the, the largest Pentecostal, single Pentecostal church, Yongicho's church in, in, in South Korea. It's powerful. They, they, they are over 1.4, 1.5 million member congregation. Prayer. It has dislodged the powers there. But just move to the next territory, Japan, and it's a hard ground. Hard ground. China, North Korea, different territories. The entities ruling there are different. And that is why the people of God must understand this. If we will work for the Lord and do the will of the master, in soul winning, we must start it off from the place of intercession, from the place of spiritual warfare. Every city that we must reach for the Lord, we must go in there and wage war against the powers of darkness that are controlling the city. They are the ones in charge. They are the ones that sow things into people to contend with people. We need to deal with territorial spirits. In Jesus' name, they exist. They stood against Daniel's prayer. If Daniel did not pray, they will still be in captivity. Ladies and gentlemen, don't take spiritual things for granted. When it comes to prophecy that comes from God, prophecies don't come to pass automatically. It takes spiritual warfare to bring them to pass. The prophecies of God are like items that we have in the spirit the currency to purchase them from the spirit realm to bring them into the natural is the currency of prevailing traveling intercessory prayers deal with the enemy that is holding the thing and that is why throughout the scriptures god gave a prophecy to abraham and said that your people your descendants shall be in captivity for 400 years and then i will bring them out of the place where they will be held captive and I'll form a nation out of them. The Bible tells us that the 400 years came and they were still in captivity. But anytime when Moses was called and then he got to the place, whenever Moses lifted that rod, it signified the beginning of a bitter spiritual warfare that dealt with the gods of Egypt. The scripture tells us in Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that upon all the gods of Egypt, God executed judgment. All the ten plagues, they represented powers of darkness that controlled the people. That was why the first judgment that happened was that the rod of Moses became a serpent. It was, ten, it was thrown down in the palace of Pharaoh and it turned into a snake. Because the, 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 the god of the, of the, of the Egyptians... The territorial spirit, the God of the nation itself, of the throne, is in the form of a snake. Behind, if you look at the Pharaoh's totem, you will see that it's in the form of a snake. And so it was a challenge to it, and it was very easy for his magicians to throw their rods down, to also change into snake. That they can do. 
But what they didn't realize was that the battle has shifted to another realm. God cannot be limited. The men standing there were prayer warriors. David was not, Moses was not an ordinary man. He was a man of prayer. And as they stood there, the Bible says that God's rod then began to swallow the rods of Pharaoh's magicians. And then he took it back and left the palace. First judgment on the God. The next thing that they worship there is the Nile. And the Bible says judgment came on the Nile. And it turned into red. It turned into blood. It shouldn't have happened. But God was pronouncing judgment. They served the sun God called Ra. That's why there was darkness for three days. And the Bible says it was so dark and black that you can touch it. Every one of them, they had gods. And every one of them was the reason why the judgment of the plagues happened. It's not that God wanted to show his power just like that. No, it was judgment upon the gods. Ten of them were dealt with that way. And that's how Israel could come out. Because Satan appears to be a student of prophecy. When the prophecy was given in Genesis, he observed it until Joseph got there. And just around the time of the birth of Moses, then the same spirit would have used the Pharaoh to proclaim a decree that all male children under two should be killed. Just around the birth of the, of, of the Savior, of the Messiah, or the Redeemer. That happened. If you fast forward the 2,000 plus years later, just around the birth of Jesus Christ, Herod, who had never met Pharaoh, also gave the same decree. All male children under two should be killed. The devil lacks precision, but he knew the timings of God in the way. He won't be able to tell which house and which home, but he knew this is the time. And if I can't be specific, I will wipe a whole generation of children. Maybe I will be able to clear the Savior. But whilst all this was going on, God was also raising intercessors. Anna and Simeon were lifting prayer to cover the child of God until he is born. Don't stop praying. I pray that your eyes be opened in the name of Jesus. There was a prophecy from Jeremiah. Daniel had to pray it. And as he began to pray it, there was a confrontation. Some of the delays in your life, you need to deal with something that is holding it. Territorial spirits. In Jesus' name. Spirits that rule over families and communities. May the Lord help us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. The next category. Let's move on from territorial spirit. The next category are familiar spirits. Familiar spirits. Familiar spirits. Familiar spirits. Familiar spirits are... Spirit beings that from the name, they are familiar. <laughs> they are familiar with a family, a person from one generation to another, more specific to families. They are always mentioned together with wizards and witches. And as I told you, a witch is not necessarily, gender has nothing to do with a witch. Or wizard. You know, formally they say, oh, a wizard is a male. And a witch is a female. It's not true. A wizard has power to summon a witch. Or to summon a spirit and to send it. And they work together with the spirit of divination as well. I will explain all of this. But familiar spirits are used most of the time to engage a conversation with the dead. So what we call necromancy, communication with the dead. 
Familiar spirits are the spirits that work with mediums. Palm readers, those people, they work with mediums to bring up a supposedly dead person to seek communication from that person. And they work with witches because that's why I told you witches summon or the wizard will summon them and work with them. And a demon of such a rank or of such a nature is used to make contact and to, to, to bring out information about someone a family member, yourself, they can imitate you, they can speak like you, they can do everything like you. And they are connected to families and to individuals. So a familiar spirit also is a spirit or demon that serves and obeys a witch. Sometimes they assume different forms. They assume the forms of animals. That's why sometimes witches work with certain animals. And it is the means of their communication with the familiar spirit that is in, in, inherent in that animal. So they communicate with the dead to bring some advice or to appear to prophesy. Another word used for their operation is siansi. To submit. So I want us to look at some few things in the scriptures. Where the scripture clearly warns against familiar spirits that they exist. Leviticus 19.31 Regard not them that have familiar spirits. Neither seek after wizards. As I told you, they are always mentioned together with this. Regard not them that have familiar spirits. Because a wizard operates with a familiar spirit. To be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 19.31 Leviticus 20 verse 6 The soul that tends after such that have familiar spirits and after wizards. Have you seen it again? Anytime they mention familiar spirits, they mention wizards. Because wizards use familiar spirits in their operation. To go warring after them, I will even set my face against that soul. So God was warning against that. Because it will contaminate you. Because their operations are not the spirit of God. They may appear to prophesy, a spirit may appear, they can summon a spirit to appear, but that thing which is appearing is not the one who had died. It's another spirit that is out there to deceive. Remember, the devil is a liar. Amen. And all witches and demons, they lie. Amen. Amen. So the scripture again warns us against familiar spirits. But I'm just quoting these scriptures for you to know that these names... Such an entity or a group of demons called familiar spirits, they exist in scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 11. It says, 
make sure that you don't have the following happening or consulting settings. It says, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits. Someone who consults familiar spirits. He said, don't do it. Or a wizard, or a necromancer. In that this time, they brought all of them into the same play. The wizard, a necromancer. They, and that is working with familiar spirits. Deuteronomy 18, 11. Second Kings chapter 21, verse 6. And he made his son to pass through the fire and observed times, observers of times. These are diviners. And used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. Take note again. Familiar spirits, wizards are mentioned. Those who work with familiar spirits are wizards. Because we don't have wizard spirit. It is the familiar spirit that that entity, that man, that woman, who is a wizard, works with familiar spirits. It is her being possessed by familiar spirits that makes her a wizard or a witch. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord. And he provoked the Lord to anger. 2 Kings chapter 23 verse 24. Moreover, 2 Kings 23, 24. Moreover, the workers with familiar spirits and the wizards and the images and the idols and all the abominations that were spied in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, Josiah took them away. It must be taken away. Because they become points of access. These are tokens and symbols of satanic powers. If you use them, it will attract them. When you see the totems of chiefs and kings, they are not just decorations. They represent something that attracts a spiritual power to the thing. The Bible says that these entities exist. And Josiah put them away so he will perform the words of the law, which were written in the book that he called the priest found in the house of the Lord. Look at Isaiah chapter 8 verse 19. And when they shall say to you, seek unto those that have familiar spirits and unto wizards. I can't stop emphasizing this. Anytime the scripture mentions familiar spirit, the next thing mentioned, wizards. And when they shall say to you, seek unto those that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep into the future of people, peep into lives, peep into things they shouldn't peep into, peep into the spiritual realm, and that matter things, should not a people seek unto their God rather for the living to the dead? So such things were existing. Consultation with with. With the dead, suppose dead, we'll find out very soon. Now, Isaiah 19, 3. Isaiah chapter 19, verse 3. And the spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst thereof. And I will destroy the counsel thereof. And they shall seek to the idols and to the charmers. And to those that have familiar spirits and to the wizards. 
Isaiah 19, 3. Now, let's look at something in 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 1 to 25. The Bible says that it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Achish said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, Surely you know that your servant will do what you want. And Achish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Verse 3, from verse 3 is important. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, in his own city. And Saul, Remember, King Saul was the first king of Israel. David had not yet become king. But King Saul broke the laws of God, so God rejected him. And Samuel was not attending to him again. And there's war. He didn't know what to do. And God was not responding because God has also departed from him. So the Bible said, Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists. Mediums are human beings who employ satanic power to operate. So they are witches, wizards. These are all mediums. So when you go to the place where they do the palm, palm reading and all those other things, these are all witches or wizards that employ familiar spirits or spirits of divination to operate mediums. So the Bible says he had put mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, take notes, follow me carefully from here. When Saul inquired from the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by Urim's or by dreams, or by the prophets. God was not answering him at all. He went to the prophets, no answer. By dreams, God was not coming. By the Urim and Thummim, which is on the high priest's chest, that they used to access God, that was also not there. God was not talking. And he had seen an army and he was afraid. Samuel had died. God had rejected him. And look at his frustration. If I were him, I would have been sorry and asked God for forgiveness. But he's rather looking for solutions in place of God. Look at him there. Then the Bible said, Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium. King James says, Find me a woman who is a witch. They are the same. That I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, There is a woman who is a medium at Endor. There is a woman who is a witch at Endor. So witches and wizards are human beings who by virtue of their being possessed and trafficked with certain spirits like familiar spirits, they now become witches or wizards. There is a woman who is a medium and she's in the village called Endor. So Saul disguised himself. He had to disguise himself because 
when he was walking with God, he knew the laws of God. And he has banished all witches and wizards and those that consult familiar spirits out of the land. So now that if he's coming to them, they will think he's coming to arrest them. So he had to, you know, disguise himself. And he put on other clothes and he went. And he went with two of his assistants. And they came to the woman in the night. And he said, please. That King James says, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, the one whose name I will give to me. Or conduct a science for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. It's the same thing. Divine unto me by the familiar spirit. Divination and familiar spirit. It is going to be by the familiar spirit that you will find out and bring up from the dead the man whose name I will mention to you. And this is exactly what goes on in some of our towns and villages and our families when a family member dies and says they are going to consult to find out what he has to say. What he has to say? He is dead. Read the scriptures. He has nothing to say. You are engaging in a traffic with demons and signing covenants with demons that will bring judgment and curses to the bloodline. And anyone hearing me and your families are engaging this, tell them to stop. Wage war against it because it's going to add more curses into the bloodline. That's what all those shrines have been using in your villages and towns. Familiar spirits. And those in charge of it are witches and wizards. Look at it. Then the Bible says, Then the woman said, Look, you know what Saul has done. How he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. How he has cut off the witches and those that deal in familiar spirits out of the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Verse 11. Then the woman said, Who should I bring up to you? Remember the process? Divine unto me by the familiar spirit. Who should I bring up to you? Then king, the king said to him, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, so an entity appeared, looked exactly like Samuel. The height, the structure, the clothing, everything, this spirit being just appeared. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul saying, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What did you see? What did you see? That means he, some, he, Saul, didn't see the thing. It's the woman who is saying she's seen someone. Okay. What is... The woman says, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, what is his form? How does it look like? And she said, an old man is coming up and he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. So you get to the place and all these things go on. And then people begin to tremble and they bow down. 
Hey! And people believe it. Say he came. Say, did you see him yourself? Say, no, the woman was meeting him and telling us. I said, what did she say? What did he say? What did that auntie who died say? What did that uncle who died say? What did your father say? Every year they go and say, our grandfather says, he sends his greetings. I say, only greetings? Look at the state of the house. Look at the state of the family. He only sends greetings? <laughs> they be sending greetings. Say they are not happy where they are. They say since they went, they have been standing. All kinds of lies. But the trafficking is establishing a stronghold and a covenant with death. Then he says that, then now Samuel said to Saul, so this entity called Samuel has now come. And he says to Saul, you, he, he will speak like Samuel. He will act like Samuel. He will do everything and you will believe it's Samuel. But we will biblically find out, was it really Samuel who came up? Then he says, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I'm deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me. And God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore. He's not answering me by prophets and he's not answering me by dreams. If God is not answering you by prophets and by dreams, how do you believe that he will answer you by Satan? Therefore, I have called you that you will reveal to me what I should do. <laughs> funny therefore I've called you to show me what you should do then Samuel suppose Samuel said to him so why do you ask me seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy and the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me for the Lord has turned the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his first wrath upon Amalek. Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. Since you went there, he said, tomorrow you will die. You will be with me. And it came to pass. The information will be correct, but the source is not God. It's a familiar spirit. It's familiar with Samuel. He knows how to talk like Samuel, knows how to speak and can divine. Remember, we saw one working with the spirit of divination in Acts chapter 16. She prophesied correctly. This is Saul. This is Silas. These are the men of God that show us the way of salvation. True. But Saul picked it up. This is not the spirit of God. So what she said, what this entity called Samuel is saying is correct. But it's not true. The source is not God. The source is not the spirit of God. And God will not work through this medium. God will not call something wrong and evil and end up using it to, to prophesy. It can't be. Now the Bible says that when Samuel finished speaking, Saul fell full length to the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him. For he had eaten no food all day, all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice. And I've put in life, my life in your hands and heeded the words which you spoke. Now, therefore, please, listen to my voice. I'll set before you bread. Eat it. You may have strength and go your way. 
but he refused and said he will not eat. Later on, they forced him and he ate and they left in the night. I mean, you went to the witch. After everything, you ate witch food too. You have backslided good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. You have missed God. Now, the Bible says that this is what happened. But the question here is, what is the entity that came? Is it God? Can it be that someone is dead and can be called back like that? It is not true. What came was a familiar spirit. What came was a demonic spirit that is familiar with Samuel. He can learn everything about you and show up in the place and mimic you and do everything. And you will believe it because something appears supernatural. The fundamentals of scripture does not confirm this act as a normal thing that happens. Because when we die, we leave this earth immediately and go to the presence of God. If you are a believer and you are born again, you go to the presence of God. You are, you are taken to paradise where you rest until the day of judgment. And anyone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they wait in hell, which is a place of torment. And Jesus Christ taught two things that we can be able to see that it was not Samuel that came up. It is not possible biblically. The Bible says, number one in Luke chapter 23 verse 43, when Jesus hung on the cross with two thieves on his left and right, the scripture says one of them believed in him. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Luke 23, 43. And Jesus said to him, verily I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. You will not be hanging on the earth. As soon as I leave this body, you are living with me. We are going to have two different destinations. Your friend is going somewhere. But you are coming with me to paradise. And then the scripture tells us. So when people die, they leave the earth the same day. They are not hanging anywhere that a witch should be able to summon and bring them back to come and talk to people. Now, Luke 16, verse 19 to 31. Jesus gave a story here. And it was not a parable. In the classical parables of Jesus, he always says, a certain man, a certain woman, a certain place, a certain son. But this one, he added names. That means this is something that really happened. And for us to believe, you have to realize who is talking. This is Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. The Bible says that he is the one who was in heaven and was on earth. And so when he's speaking, we have to believe him that he is the one that we must believe. When he's speaking, he knows that this thing happened and what he's saying is true. The scripture says that there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and he fed sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar whose name was Lazarus. So this is not a parable. The guy is real. A man named Lazarus. So this is something that really happened. And Jesus can tell us that because he is God. Who was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover the dogs also came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. It is very clear or it appears in scripture. That before Jesus went to the cross. The places where the departed 
believers in God went to rest was called Abraham's bosom. And it's when he died on the cross, he changed the name or the location of the place, of the same place, but rather calls it paradise. It's a place in heaven, but it's a place we are waiting, awaiting the final judgment of God. The Bible says in Revelations that I saw thrones, I saw people stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the souls of all men were judged that stood before the Lord. He said, I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before God. And then he says later on that hell and death delivered the dead that were in them. And the sea gave up the dead that were in them. And all appeared before God. And the Bible says they were all cast into the lake of fire. All those whose names were not written in the book of life. So hell is a place, a compartment, which keeps the souls of those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and they die. Make sure you know him before he comes back. He's coming back again. And he's not coming as savior. He's coming as judge. The scripture says that in hell, the beggar died and was carried by the angels to the Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. You can see, you can see everything. All your faculties will go with you. It's only this body which is buried. And being in torments, so hell is a place of torment. And seeing Abraham afar off. So in hell, you can see the other side of those that are on heaven's side. And the Bible says, he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sent Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received the goods of this life. And likewise, Lazarus also received evil things. Now he's comforted, you are tormented. And as I've always said, the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. The rich man went to hell because he did not believe the Lord Jesus Christ. The rich, the poor man, he went to hell not because, he went to heaven not because he was poor. Poverty must not be synonymous with holiness. It is not the passport to heaven. God can still bless you and you can be rich and still be a servant of the Lord. And so he believed in the Lord. That's why he went to heaven. Let's settle that one. Now then the Bible says that he said, Lazarus enjoyed bad things on earth. Now he's enjoying. Beside all this, verse 26 is important to my teaching. Beside all of this I've just shared to you, between us in Abraham's bosom side of things and where you are in hell, there is a big gulf. There is a big gap. There is a fixed gulf between us. And it is not possible that anybody can cross from our side to come to your side. And you two cannot cross from that side to come to where we are. This is in the spirit realm. When people have died and their spirits have take, been taken out of them and they've gone to either heaven or hell, the Bible says it's not possible to cross from hell to heaven and heaven to hell it's not possible there is a big gulf and it's not possible so if it is not possible by jesus's teaching then it is not possible to actually do some rituals and call samuel from the presence of god to come into a place of a witchcraft coven it can't be possible it's a deception by the spirits of darkness it's a deception by familiar spirits it's a deception by witches and wizards and child of God, wake up. The Bible says 
He said it's not possible to cross from one side to the other. Then, when he understood that, <laughs> he then said to him, I pray you therefore that you rather send someone to my father's house. For I have five brethren that they may minister to them so that they don't come into this place. It means whilst he's there, he can tell that his brothers are still on earth. It is possible you can see your family members, but you can't talk to them. You can't come to them. If in the, at that level you can't cross from one side, how do you then move from there to the earth? It's too far. It's too far. Can you imagine? He can see heaven and even have communication. Social distancing. This is social distance proper. <laughs> Having social distance and it's permanent. You can't cross. You can shout across, but you are not coming where we are. Hey. They say so that they don't come into this place of torment. Abraham, I like Abraham. He answered him and said, they have got Moses and the prophets. In other words, they've got the word of God with them. They've got the word of God with them. The word of God was called the law and the prophets. The law was called Moses. So they opened Moses. It's the law and the prophets. The word of God. They've got the Bible with them. Let them hear them. And then he said, no, Father Abraham. But if one rises from the dead to go there, it will help. Abraham said, even if they will not hear the word of God through the prophets and through the word of God, neither would they be persuaded, even though one should even rise from the dead. It's not going to be possible. So Jesus taught us from the paradise statement he made, you will be with me today. As soon as you die, you are going to be with me. And the fact that when you get there, it's not possible to cross. It is not possible for the real person of, your mem of the member of your family who passed away to be called from any shrine to appear. It can't be him. It's a spirit being. So it was not Samuel who appeared. It's a demon. It's a principality. It's a spiritual being. It's a familiar spirit who appeared and actually mimicked Samuel. Spoke everything. And whatever I was saying, Saul knew it. He sounded like him. Spoke like him and said, tomorrow you will die and come and be with me. And Saul died the next day in battle. I'm sure when his body was coming out, he will see that it's not the same. Deception is dangerous. See, those guys that blew themselves in the World Trade Center, 9-11, I'm sure they were told wonderful things, that when they do that, they will go to paradise. But I'm sure when they finished, they hit the thing, and their bodies came out, they will see that the mullah deceived them. They have been deceived. <laughs> and it is a no turning back. It is appointed to man once to die. And after death, judgment. So as we study the scriptures, we will find the existence of territorial spirits and familiar spirits. They work with the spirit of divination. The spirit of divination, which is the final thing, I'll just summarize that. That is the same thing. We've gone over it during the period. But the spirit of divination attempts to prophesy the future. It's a spirit of divination. It is used to prophesy the future. So the lady in Acts 16 tells us, that the Bible says she was possessed with a spirit of divination. In the scriptures, they are called diviners. The people who use that, they are called diviners. Sometimes they are called monthly prognosticators. In Esther chapter 3, Haman used them to predict the right time for him to stage his attack against the Jews. From January to December, for 12 months, the Bible says they cast lots. They used the means of divination to project the right timing. 
he was going to make a ridiculous request to ask the king to sign a law that will eliminate every Jew. And he had to use spiritual means to buy the mind of the king. Sometimes in Africa, etc., in other places where they, those who stage coup d'etats, they go to shrines and look at the right time and the right date. The dates they launch the coup d'etat, it's not ordinary. It has been projected. They have been told that when you do it on this day, certain powers will back you. They don't stage coup just like that. It is not because they are skillful military men. There are powers behind it. Goliath was one of them. When the battle became tough and he saw the young man coming to him, the Bible says he invoked the five gods of the Philistines against the boy. And David also switched and said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So divination is the spiritual means by which people use spirits of divination to predict the future, to look into the future of people and project, project or predict it. So they are soothsayers, fortune tellers. They all use the spirit of divination. And when that girl was speaking, she spoke correctly, but Paul cast the demon out. Tonight, may the Lord empower you by this teaching to cast demons out. May the gifts of descending of spirits be switched on in your ministry and in your life. That you can descend such wicked spirits, such different spirits, and be able to cast them out in the name of Jesus. May you pick them in your family. May you pick them in the community. The places where you work. 